Hi, I'm Lee Rail, and you're listening to SeedPod, a podcast dedicated to the people shaping South Africa through entrepreneurship, sustainability, and design. Before we get started, please rate us on iTunes and share this with your friends. It really helps us a lot. Justin Needham, my last guest for the Plastic Free July series, has been involved in recycling for many years on a grassroots level. Having started one of the first consumer recycling collection businesses in South Africa, he has first-hand knowledge of how the system works and what the inherent shortfalls are. After spotting a gap in the market, he is now pioneering the sector once again by bringing the reverse vending machine concept to our shores, by tweaking it for local application and backing it up with data and a custom consumer app. We discuss the state of the recycling industry here in South Africa and some of the stumbling blocks in the way of really scaling it and reaching true success. We also discuss the current business models, how we are not currently serving the planet and its community, and what needs to change to drive real transformation and make business a strong force for good. This was an enlivening and motivating conversation for me. I learned a lot and enjoyed throwing some big ideas around with Justin. If you're interested in recycling, you cannot miss this one. Enjoy. Morning, Justin. Thanks so much for joining me on SeedPod today. Um, hopefully we can get it right this time. Third time lucky. We've, we've tried a few times. Um, yeah, welcome. Thank you, Lee. Thank you very much for, for having me. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, to chatting, chatting to you and uh, appreciate the opportunity uh, to, to be on the platform. So, so thank you. Awesome. I, I think let's jump straight in because I think sitting behind you are these uh, machines and uh, I can't help but keep looking at them actually. So it's, so it's probably a good, ad, <laughs> a good advertisement for what you're doing. Uh, do you want to just yeah. quickly tell us what, what that is behind you? Um, yeah, for sure. Um, so what you have behind, what's behind me is uh, what we call a reverse vending machine or, a, or an RVM for short. Um, and it is a, it's technology or it's a machine that quite simply you can put cans and glass and plastic and coffee cups, anything that's recyclable and is recycled locally in South Africa. Um, and it basically can fit into that slot over there that you see. Um, you can put it in and what we do is we, we pay you for it. We give you a reward. So we give you the, the recyclable value of that particular item back in a, in a digital wallet. Um, and then we layer it up with additional rewards such as uh, airtime and data. So, so yeah, um, these are, these are, this is an example of, of one of our models that's in for a service at the moment um, that uh, will go back out into the field. Um, and yeah, I guess that's the, that's the backbone of, uh, of what we do from a business perspective. Uh, we, we own and operate uh, this type of equipment um, and address, address packaging, uh, address uh, the collection of, uh, of packaging, um, post-consumer packaging. Okay. Cool. So I have quite a few questions. So obviously, Old Mutual is one of your clients. Are these sitting yes. inside Old Mutual offices? These yes, yeah. Companies. So, yeah. So we're very, we're fortunate with Old Mutual. Old Mutual is, I think, probably one of the greenest, if not the greenest, business uh, in the country. Um, you might be able to, uh, to might be able to, to, to. You'll probably also have an opinion on that. Um, but um, we're very fortunate to actually deal with them, and um, Old Mutual are, are are looking at um, well, they are very green, and uh, 
they took on uh, our equipment, which you can find uh, in their facilities, um, which is uh, which is great. Um, and they're really sort of taking a, a major step forward from a, a, like I say, from a packaging recovery perspective um, and an identification and also. I guess a visualization um, of of their packaging waste and uh, and their waste streams, um, because a big part of what we do it uh, like from an equipment perspective, where we are, it's a lot of tech that we deal with. So we have a lot of we we've got the ability to be to to create sort of real time transparency on packaging that uh, is in the market and is being recovered, um, and it rolls out into a number of additional elements within our business. Um, so, and, and like I said, data um, is a very, very, very big part of, uh, very big part of what we do. And I guess it's the old adage of uh, you can't manage what you can't measure. Um, and for a long time, those, those structures or those, um, those, those sort of platforms haven't been in place to, to accurately do it and do it in real time. So you were able to retrospectively look at data and retrospectively look at packaging volumes, but, by the time you were getting the data and also having sort of sifting through the authenticity of the data, you were not really able to make a decision on the back of it. Um, so bringing that sort of the now element to it, the real time element, um, has allowed us to be a lot more strategic um, with the way that we, 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 we look at packaging and we help our clients look at packaging. Cool. I want to unpack that further, but I just want to jump back to the machine. I'm quite interested mm-hmm. to understand. So, is that machine intelligent enough to know, okay, if, if I put a, a bottle in there or or a, an item that is not currently recycled in South Africa, it will know? Because you, yes, yeah. you you stressed that when you when you said that um, what kind of things that the machine accepts. Yes, yeah, and uh, that's and that's and that's a sort of uh, that's very well noted in the sense that. South Africa, like we're as strong as the local recycling industry, and that's why we very much uh, we're very much interlinked, and we're very much uh, an environmental business above and beyond, uh, obviously, the data element of our business. And with our partners, um, what we can what we can accept, it needs to be recycled locally. So the way that our equipment works is that we re- we run big databases um, of products which are identified by barcode. So we know the material makeup of an item. Um, we know the grammage. We know the weight of it. We've got back-end processes that um, that basically that. So we know exactly what the unit weight of a, a Coke can is, or a two-liter bottle, or, or whatever it might be. So the equipment. So we've got these databases. They basically loaded onto our machines, and when a person puts in a, a bottle. It'll cross-reference it, and I'll say, "Cool, we know that Justin is putting in a Coca-Cola. Yes, it is accepted. Um, we're going to reward Justin, and we're going to." And the machine it says, "Cool, um, I'll take it in." If we receive a product that's not on our database or not on our on our list, um, it's not to say that it's not recyclable. It just might be a new product. If you look at the amount of sort of uh, waters that enter the mark bottled waters, and you on a on a Monday, you might have uh, a water with a lychee flavor. And on a Tuesday, you've got raspberry, and it sort of just grows like that. So we're able to capture that information and also advise people on on whether it is recycled or is recyclable or not recyclable, is it's not acceptable or is acceptable. And we retrospectively then take that information and go find out the answer for a particular for the person doing the deposit, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, so I'm, I know that PET is quite the, the value chain in PET is pretty established and pretty good and, and there's a recyclable value for that. Um, 
The other thing you said was, was, which I wanted to clarify, was that the, the, the person who puts the bottle in gets the recyclable value for it, right? So, so say that bottle's worth 15 cents. They put it in, you give them 15 cents. Yes, that's correct. So we don't participate in the, in the value chain um, on the waste. Um, so we give 100% of that value back. So if we are, because what we ultimately do is, is, is we on sell um, that waste to a converter um, who will go and process um, that, that, that item, so a PET bottle. Um, and if we receive the street value, which would be 15 cents, um, we would give that back to the consumer. Um, we're of the belief, um, or I'm of the belief that the, if you bought if you bought the product, you own the product and you own the packaging, so you should then get the 100% of the value back on it. Um, it also works well from a business case. We found that it works well from a business case perspective because you're not participating in that value chain. So we're not our business exists um, is not going to fall away if the price of plastic drops down um, right. and. And, and that's a sustainability perspective is we find is very efficient. Um, you get a lot of guys that um, will go around and they'll collect cardboard, for example, um, and they will, they'll need to, they'll pay the, they'll need to pay for the cardboard, but they also need to run their backy. They need to run their staff. They need to run their operations and overhead all on a small margin that they'll get from buying and selling that cardboard. And for us, we just looked at it and said, there's better. There's there's there's, a, there's more efficient uh, and more effective ways to do that. Um, so so yeah. So where do you make your money then? If if you're not making margins on all of those recyclables, on the data. So we're yeah. So we're a rental business first and foremost. So okay. we we rent our equipment out um, and provide the full service offering. So the full service offering. Um, we can provide collections. Um, we provide reporting. Um, so we've got teams on the back end that are constantly looking at the data and the analytics behind us um, and providing transparency um, to our client through reports and through um, sort of um, and through online platforms so that you can have a look at the have a look at the data. And that's our core revenue stream. So okay. what we're trying to do at the moment is build up a network um, of units to increase the number of collection points. And not participate uh, within the sort of the waste value chain. Um, we don't want to de- we don't want to devalue that at all. Right. So you it's like re- recycling as a service kind of offering. Yeah, that's exactly um, that's exactly. So it's a it's a it's it's a, it's it's not the the afterthought, but it's a, it's almost the offshoot. Uh, we're into a device. It's very effective in getting attention, getting people to interact. There's a transfer of funds, um, where there's a flow of funds and rewards, which makes it um, which increases. Um, which increases the, uh, the the appeal of recycling and, and getting people to, to to actually start to change the behavior and the value add that we add from a, a back end is obviously to a business is um, allowing them to achieve their sustainability targets. Um, so a lot of businesses at the moment are aligning towards SA Plastics Pack, for example, where there's very clearly marked out uh, strategic goals that uh, the companies need to achieve. And um, from a, a sort of a data and a reporting perspective, there's a big push at the moment for companies to understand um, to understand their packaging flows quite simply. So, and that's where we that's where we make uh, that's where we make our money. Okay. Um, the, the other thing that you mentioned was that the I don't get that 15 cents in cash. I get it put it on a card or or an, or a like an, an e wallet, like an account, like a digital wallet, yeah. right? Um, is that redeemable anyway? Is that redeemable only with partners? How's that flow working? 
So we we looked at it and and we decided to go the digital route. Um, we decided to go the digital route and launch a mobile app. So there's a mobile application called Imagined Earth that you find in the in the in the in the Play Store and the and the, the what's it called the iStore um, or the, uh, the, the Apple uh, on Apple and on and thank you. <laughs> Um, and we decided to do a digital wallet. Um, there's a big shift towards digital at the moment. And if you look at everything from couponing through to the fact that cell phones, a, a smartphone now can cost you 400 bucks. Um, there's a big push across to that. And we decided to go with that option. What we provide, um, first and foremost, is the ability to redeem for airtime and data. Um, and that's our core offering. But... Through the development, there's always our goal has always been to partner with companies like a, a pick and pay and their smart shopper loyalty program or a spa loyalty program um, or a shell loyalty program so that we can aggregate the reward. So and that's a big part of where we're going. So we started conversations with our partners um, to to look at integrating into their platforms um, just to add further value. Uh, for the consumer, uh, first and foremost, um, and then two for, for our partners, um, so that um, they can maximise, um, they can kind of, they can maximise their investment uh, in Imagined Earth. Cool. Okay. So, so it's it's evolving at the at this point. It's still. How long yes, have you been yeah. going? How long have you been operating? So Imagine, imagine Earth. Um, it's, it's 2015. We established the business. Uh, my brother and I founded it. Um, I come from I, historically. I come from the the, the waste industry. Um, I started a door to door collection business in Johannesburg, uh, straight out of varsity, pretty much, um, which was uh, kind of my 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 kind of how I got introduced to to the sort of sort of sustainability and the and the waste management space. And so, collecting mm, what were you collecting recyclables from? Door to door. Correct, yeah. We had a door to door collection business. So we had about 12,000 homes in Johannesburg that we provided a bin and we would run the collection service, we would do the sorting and we would do the on selling of the waste. Um, okay. and I'm talking, yeah, I'm talking quite a few quite a few years ago now. Um, and there was a big gap in the market. And I think a lot of the municipalities at the moment are still trying to get that door to door model right. Um, and I don't think we are, are quite there. I think there's obviously there's, there's some really good intent and there's some really good pilot projects and there's some. There are some areas that work really well, but it's it's also not it's it's not kind of a silver bullet. Um, recycling and sustainability needs to be dealt with from a multitude of different angles. So we had a came across this technology, which we we literally saw out of a saw in a magazine, funny enough, and um, we looked at this and it was we thought this is quite cool and uh, started uh, started investigating. So started doing our, our research about it and. Um, we we came across a number of we were actually quite we were quite surprised how developed it was in the, in the rest of the world and especially Europe where um, there was actually legislation supporting um, the equipment that was going into the market um, so legislating um, the amount of money that a person would get back for a coke can um, as opposed to relying purely on the recyclable value side of it so so we started building up our, our, our business so to answer your question um, we're about five years old now um, we've been growing our business for a number of years and stress testing the equipment and stress testing the offering and understanding how we can apply it to, to South Africa. South Africa um, is, is diverse. It's, it's, we're, not, we're, we're unlike many other countries in the rest of the world and a lot of the challenges that we have from a social perspective, um, they dictate, that, especially when it comes to recycling, um, they, they're very closely linked. 
So bringing equipment that is is not cheap into the market, um, we needed to have a very good way to to do that and to enter the market and to be sustainable and also provide value for people and for brands um, and and locational partners. So we've been we've been slowly developing the offering and everything's a everything's a bit by bit um, sort of scenario where you kind of you get to your first milestone and you can add more machines to markets and then you've got some development that you need to do in order to make your app a little bit more easy to use or your equipment a little bit more efficient um, and slowly slow and slowly we've been building it out and we've been we've been fortunate to to work with um, some really cool companies um, and get to the company and get the business to the point where we are having those conversations about integrating into loyalty and really um, cranking up uh, and and sort of uh, extending the offering how many machines have you got going now so currently we've got 33 machines um, that are, are operational. Um, so it's not a it's not a big number when you look at it um, from an overall perspective. Um, it's been a been a process to get to that number um, because the concept was so new and uh, it was a completely new way to to look at waste. We would almost go in there saying we're a waste management company that doesn't make money out of waste, which I think blew a lot of people's minds. They were like, "Well, how do you how do you guys do this sort of thing?" So we've had to break down a lot of barriers and um, and a lot of sort of misconceptions about uh, reverse spending, um, especially around cost. Um, and in order to do that, we've had to refine. So um, we're looking at now. Obviously, COVID has 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 slowed down the process a little bit, but um, we're looking at uh, at growing up, growing out those numbers uh, quite aggressively. Um, and we we like I say, we we're fortunate with the. The companies that they that we work with that there there is appetite for it uh, at the moment. Okay, and and can you give us some sort of uh, like idea of the volumes of waste that are being collected through your machines? Yeah, um, sure. Offhand, um, <laughs> you on the spot the there. <laughs> <laughs> um, offhand, I'd need, I'd need to. Uh, it's like rough ideas, right? Like, I just, I don't, I don't know what. Lee, Lee, give me a, give me a, give me a second, and uh, I'll have a. I can have a little, I can have a little squiz of what we, at what we're doing at the moment. Um, I'm gonna have to come. I'll come back to you on that one. You okay. caught me out there. Uh, and 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 all of the all. So for every can or bottle or cup that gets collected. You selling on, or, or yeah, you selling on to the different uh, recycling setup setups around the country. Yes, yeah. I've yeah. heard. That, so, sorry, go for it. I know, go for it. I, I heard that uh, during the this pandemic, the because the oil prices dropped so much that the the plastic, particularly the plastics recycling industry is kind of falling apart because the oil price is so low and so virgin plastics are now so cheap. Is that something that's, yeah. I guess it's not affecting you because, you because you're not linked into that price. Do you then pay the consumer less money because that value drops? How, how, yes. Yeah, no, that's, you're 100% right. And there's been, a, because, 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 because the oil price has dropped so extensively, there's actually been a few articles that have been published about the fact that guys have been using virgin material um, to use yeah, virgin material in products, and they're actually calling it calling the products recyclable products because there is a there is a value proposition at the moment uh, for recyclable uh, for recycled items. Um, but the price, the oil price dropping is, is is hasn't it's it's not good for the industry in my opinion. Um, there needs to 
which which almost goes against uh, everyone wants the oil price to drop because there's a there's a major impact when that does happen. But from a plastics perspective, we don't have the legislation in place, especially locally. Um, there's no you don't, you're not required to use a certain amount of recycled content in a in the reproduction of a of a bottle, for example, um, which means that. Um, which means that you don't have to use recyclable material um, to, to manufacture that particular bottle. So you can use virgin material. And obviously, um, in sort of in tough economic times like these, um, if there's a cheaper option to do something, people would do it. Um, it's just unfortunately the nature of the beast in many ways. So it's a bit of a it's a yin and yang um, in a lot of ways. So from our side, the price does drop. We're fortunate that we work with some really good partners, so that there is a valuable there is a value to it, and they are. And they are still able to convert the products, so they, so we, so our business doesn't come to a grinding halt. But a lot of people in that value chain who might not, who might not have been able to kind of deal with the the, the sort of the end user or the converter um, are struggling. So the prices have dropped uh, dramatically. Um, so it does. It's from a consumer perspective on our offering, they will receive less money from us. Um, but we haven't, we're fortunate in the sense that it hasn't stopped our recoveries in their tracks. Um, so we still are able to recover, but a jar, it's a, it's a very, it's, it's an interesting debate, um, with regards to, um, sort of the use of virgin material and the price of virgin material, um, and how it enters the market. Um, and I think there is a push for legislation, um, around us. Um, it, it could be a bit, it could be a bit stronger. Um, and if there was that legislation, it would support the recycling industry. Um, so if there was a mandatory 50% of recycled material that needs to go into a bottle, for example, um, that would just stimulate the local recycling industry and would, and would keep money in it. Um, which I think by the sort of the knock on effect is that, um, the incentivization and the recovery, um, is all supported and it would be a lot more effective. I was having a conversation with a friend the other day and, and I think that was one of the pieces that came out of it was that so much could be done if the legis if the government and the, the legislation was geared towards things like this. Um, like, like, you know, like there's so many people like yourselves working hard, trying to change systems, trying to change behaviors, but like one piece of legislation could just change the entire industry in one go. Um, it's frustrating. It really is. Um, no, but I think you're right. I think you're right. And on that, like on that point, it is it is frustrating. And and I guess I've been in the space for quite a long time. And um, and and yes, there's amazing. There there are a number of amazing initiatives that are happening at the moment. And there's some amazing people and sort of the green community. Um, the green community is a really strong community. And there's really there's a there's a bunch of highly educated people, people that are a lot, a lot more intelligent than myself, um, that are are advocating for change and pushing for change and I've got a number of good reasons uh, for the change, um, and it would be lovely if, if sort of legislation can can follow suit um, because it it really supports the industry and it would and 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 not only supporting the industry the, the byproduct of what we do, which is the beautiful thing, is we get to benefit people and the planet quite simply. So we, if you look at a lot of industries, whether it's banking or whether it's logistics or mining they're taking away from they kind of they're kind of and I'm, I'm sort of getting on my <laughs> getting on my high horse here a little bit but they're kind of taking away from the planet um where industries such as these are already adding to it um and balancing it out 
Um, and that's, I think, also why that there's been such a, a strong push at the moment. If you look at like something like the Ella MacArthur Foundation, which is driving the sort of uh, the circular economy and driving change, and it, it is it is starting to take it is starting to take effect. Um, I think overseas enormously it's starting to take effect, um, and it's starting to filter down. And I think it's partly driven by people that have been in the industry for for a number of years and who've been advocating for change. And now I think it's actually being driven by consumers, where consumers are actually saying, um, we want to buy from people that are, are ethical. Um, there needs to be, we want a return on our investment and the return could be, it could be anything from community initiatives, it could be anything from an environmental initiative, but there just needs to be a little bit more in order for me to part with my money with a particular company. Um, and that's great because when the bigger organizations, I think when the bigger organizations start to see that they need to change, they they ultimately come with the heavy hammers when it when it comes time for when it comes time to impact legislation and influence legislation and movements. So so yeah, it's on the one hand it is it is frustrating um, that that kind of government's not keeping pace. Um, I think they like I said, I think there, there is some amazing work that's being done, but I think as a lot of the time it's the it's kind of the private sector um, and private individuals and and sort of small organisations, smaller movements and initiatives that uh, that really need to that one create the transparency about what's going on and two really drive home the message and three get and three from a from an actionable perspective uh, get involved put money in put money into it and and try to affect change yeah i think i think um i agree with you and and it, it's almost a shame that it's it's got to come to the individual but in a, in a way it's not because i think for so long in so many ways we've given away our power to someone else we we you know our food gets manufactured in a way which we don't know and we just go buy it from the, the shop and we don't know where it comes from or how it's produced uh, we don't know where that it's just yeah. a piece of plastic and we don't know where that comes from or how it's produced and we kind of separated from so many of these processes that we become like um a bit blind to what's actually going on but i think that's that's starting to change and people are waking up which is which is uh, yeah encouraging and exciting at the same time um yeah i think you're right and it's it's, sorry less trusting less in the the powers that be that they're going to sort things out because clearly they're not no completely and 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 the great thing about and i guess if you look at the digital world and how we and how and sort of our, our Having the access to information that we do, there's no reason why we are we should be uninformed. Um, and I obviously say that uh, it's a very it's a very generalized comment. Um, but we, we've got that information. We have the ability to understand processes. A lot of businesses now are, are becoming a lot more transparent. And the only reason that they're becoming transparent is because they have to be transparent because they're consumers. Quite simply, um, it's the individual. And as you say, it's it's the individuals do have the power to to affect change and we want more. Um, we want to know that that the companies that we're buying from are, are ethical, that they are following the correct uh, labor practices, that they are sourcing locally wherever they can, um, that they are addressing issues like recycling, um, that they're addressing social issues. Um, and it's becoming more and more important because if you look at, if you kind of, the way I see the world at the moment is it's kind of in a state of flux where the sort of the gap between the haves and the have-nots seems to be broadening. It seems to be seems to be widening. Um, the sort of access to 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 basics is is not quite there. I think if you look in South Africa and with uh, COVID, I think one of the major things 
that has become very apparent is is community um, and the fact that the communities are they're struggling. They don't have the basics. So just to to exist on a day to day basis is so much harder for someone growing up in a township um, than it is for someone in sort of uh, in sort of your 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 urban areas, which might sound like a given, but it's something that we've lived we've we've lived and we've been in around for a hell of a long time. And when you see these queues of people um, just to get food at the moment. Um, there, there's a, there's an imbalance, um, and it's those individuals as a collective um, and as, on an individual level that actually have the impact to have the power to change things and already sort of can create that attention. Um, and if one person starts to say, well, I'm not going to buy a particular item because I'm against it from a principle or from an ethical perspective, um, that slowly filters. Um, and that's, I think, is, is a big part of, of where the – of where – Change is starting to is, is where it's sort of stemmed from, um, and how it um, and how it has the impact to to actually change industry and uh, and ultimately drive legislation. I, I think that um, just to agree with what you said there around the what this time has shown, it's shown a lot of the cracks in the in the systems um, that we're living yeah. in, and um, but it's also shown the strength of community or or when people do get together, because I've seen amazing projects where people, private sector, individuals like you and I get together and put together projects that are feeding thousands of people because the government just doesn't have the resources to do so. And it's, it's, yeah. it's very encouraging and heartwarming. Uh, I'm concerned about the sustainability of those projects and um, mm. what's going to happen when, when it all, um, you know, when the government money's, stops which is pretty much stop, stopping now and um, yeah because yeah, those, yeah, those projects can't go on forever I don't think but it does show that we can come together and do stuff when, when it's needed no totally and, uh, and I agree with you and, and to me like you, you touched on a very, a very, a very important point and it, it's looking it's looking at the sustainability of these uh, of, of a lot of these initiatives and you're right the, how people have come together as a community to to help and uplift and get involved and donate and and feed and and do whatever they can um it's been it's been amazing and i think that's one of the great things about i think it's one of the great things about south africa in many ways where um we're very hard on uh, we're very hard on the structures that we we live in but at the same time we we support them enormously um i think we we're very patriotic as a, as a people which is rad um but I think coming, looking at it from, I guess, from a business case perspective, one of the things that we strive for is we wanted to make sure that we could, we wanted a business, I think business models need to be sustainable. Um, and there's a lot of linear business models that rely on funding. Um, and when the funding dries up, then all of a sudden, everything, all the work that's been done, all the people that have been involved disappear. And I think a lot of work needs to be done on 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 making sure that the business cases are sustainable. So if there are feeding schemes in place, how do we guarantee? How do we take it to the next level where it's if a donor falls falls off the falls off the falls out of the out of the loop, so to speak, um, that all of a sudden those miles are going to continue to be fed. So and it's actually sort of dealing with the problem at, at I guess at the at the at the heart of it. Um, and business models need to be a lot more circular, um, in my opinion. There needs to be a I guess it's that, that the sort of the triple bottom line type principle, but it goes deeper than that, um, where businesses need to be a force for good. Um, and they need to, they, I think they have the, businesses have the potential to address a lot of issues at the same time, especially big business. Um, you can deal with environmental, you can deal with social issues. Um, and 
putting the correct business cases and the correct business models that in place, making those making those elements sustainable, I think is is very important. Hmm. There's an interesting debate there that that I feel, um, and it's around. I think there's certain industries like the oil industry, they've known for 40 years that whatever they're doing, they're doing is bad and it's destroying the environment and health of people, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But most businesses don't go into business to cause harm. They go into business to make money. Um, but, But I think we're now at a point where that's not good enough anymore. Um, and I think again, it's been highlighted during this time. Is is it's very clear that the 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 shareholder value model is is not working for us anymore, and we have to yeah. change and and become. And I'm not advocating for socialism, or but we we need to we need to relook the systems and 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 as you say, those powerful business models um, because we can have both. Probably, I would say. They can be yeah. shareholder value, but I think that also needs to, as as a as a as a concept, needs to be relooked. Like shareholder value, what does that actually mean? If if the community down the road is poor and they're struggling and crimes out of out of control and whatever, are, are is the, are the shareholders getting value? You know what I mean? Like the, the, the whole picture yeah. needs to be looked at when when we're looking at shareholder value and who are those shareholders. Um, yeah, yeah, but I think you luckily, I think you and you're, you're right, and it's and, and to me, it's it, to me, it can be achieved, and um, and you're right, that's it's as you say, I'm not like I'm also, I wouldn't, uh, I'm not an advocate for, for kind of sort of a socialist agenda, um, but at the same time, I think business, I think business, business is such a powerful role to play, um, and businesses has the ability to broaden its reach um, and to be not just for profit. Um, and what the, the interesting thing is, is that I think a lot of businesses are doing it. I think a lot of businesses can do more. Um, that's, and I guess that would just be an opinion of one man. Um, but they have the power to do it and they have the power to affect the change and have the revenue streams in order to support that change, um, which is a big thing. Um, and to be a lot more diverse in the way that they go about making money, I think is is important. Um, and be a lot more sort of, a lot more, a lot more inclusive. And putting in practice simple things like putting in practices that don't harm the environment. The fact that we have not got tighter legislation on on the environment and how businesses operate and how we live in harmony with the environment, it's, it kind of blows my mind. Um, yeah. Where we've got so many. There's so many resources available. There's so many tools available to be a lot more sustainable and a lot more ethical. Um, that immediately should be something that's in place. Um, people is also it's uh, it's such a it's people is is vital. It's it's how do we how do we help people and how do we uplift people? Um, and a lot of the social and the environment and the environment and social is very closely linked. Um, a person who has nothing is just trying to get through their day to day doesn't really care about the environment and it's not and I'm not saying that they don't care about the environment they don't have the time to care about the environment so they just need to survive so if businesses that can address those kind of those two major elements I think are, are businesses that are going to really start to to win and flourish and flourish in the future and they have means available and I think especially within the green space the green space is the green space is kind of going through a bit of a, a metamorphosis in many ways um, where it used to be 
the green space was a bunch of tree huggers who were these environmentalists um, who would uh, train themselves to trees and it was something it was a service offering part of a part of the kind of part of the economy that was not valued at the right point what's been what's been lovely to see now is that is that the veil's kind of being lifted and there's an enormous amount of intelligence um, within this industry. Um, there's some amazing people um, involved in it doing amazing things. And it's starting to it's starting to be able to operate on the same level as traditional business. It's not just a and, and I say that kind of it's not just an afterthought. It's not just uh, the sustainability team or someone that sits in the far corner of an office. They now work very closely with marketing. They work very closely with finance. They work very closely with the executives. Um, and it's also something that can derive real value. So, and from that, I think there's going to, it's, there's going to be an appeal and there's going to be um, a lot more people wanting to enter this space because they're going to be able to fulfill their kind of their financial wishes um, and their financial needs at the same time as doing something that has a positive impact, which to me is pretty, pretty cool. Well, what, what I mean, I'd like to actually see that that differentiation disappear between green business and normal business. It should just be the the way that things are done. Um, yeah. We consider we have to get to that point where every single business considers their impact socially and environmentally in order for this to work. Otherwise, we're going to be extinct within the century. Uh, yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree with you. There's there's. A lot more thought needs to. There needs to be a lot more thought. Um, there needs to be. There definitely needs to be a lot more thought. And we, and like I say, to me, the biggest thing is sometimes the frustrating part of it is that we we have the means to do it. Um, it's just now a question of of kicking on um, and, and and getting stuck in and doing it. So, hmm. but I think that is it. It's 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 it, and that's something I've realised for myself during this time as well. Is that it's time to just actually get stuck in and and uh, and do stuff because. There's no one else who's going to do it. Like there's that saying, um, you are the person that you've been waiting for. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of yes, yeah. mentality. It's, um, yeah. Yeah, right, really restless. yeah, but like, if you, like I say, if you, look, if, you look, if you look at the work that you do, you do you, the way that you, you connect and, and the space and, and, the, and the role that you play within the industry and the, the creative nature, like... You have the power to impact, and and like I said, it might start with one conversation with one person, and then another conversation with another person, and slowly but surely, that sort of like that grapevine effect, it starts to take, it, it becomes powerful, um, and that's why, like I say, I'm I am, it's a, it's, I really appreciate uh, being able to to be on this platform with you because it's you know, the work that you do is amazing, and you have an impact, and it's just it does. It starts with one person talking to another person talking to another person. It's the same as you know to be. People are very quick to pass. It's amazing how quickly uh, bad news go manages to go through the grapevine. Um, if we sort of uh, flip that on its uh, on its head and uh, got that positive news and positive action going out uh, as quickly, it uh, it has the it has the potential to do that. So yeah. So and it does. It just starts with with one little action and one person deciding to okay, cool. This week I'm going to recycle. This week I'm going to conserve this, or I'm going to purchase a little bit more ethically, or I'm going to support an initiative. Um, and and it's and it's not for the I guess it's not it's not for the outward nature of it. Um, I guess if people want to put it on on your on your digital platforms and then uh, like your Facebooks and your Instagram, so be it. Um, but as long as people are doing it, um, I think it's the most important thing. 
are you seeing a shift in, in behavior from the data that you're looking at? Are you seeing more uptake from the, the places that your machines are in? Is there a, a movement, a, a, like a momentum building? Yeah, um, very much so. And um, what we found is that what we found is that we we've got we've got almost two distinct types of clients where we've got and I and I guess you can probably break it down by LSM and or, or the where there's there, there's a number of people that that they use our service offering and they don't use it for the reward that you get that you get out of it. They do it because we're effective, we're auditable, um, we 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 we're very strict on our processes who we use and make sure that 100% of our stuff that we do collect is recyclable. Um, so we tick a lot of those boxes, and then you've got a different sector of people that that love the incentive, and I get it. Um, and to me, it's cool. It's the same as when you get your when I get my tenth coffee um, at Seattle. Uh, I'm over the moon. It's a it's a little bit of a it's a bit of a spring in my step. So applying that same sort of um, same sort of thinking, a lot of people enjoy it from the rewards. But our numbers have grown. Um, we've been fortunate where we've had kind of record month on record month um, with regards to users. Um, our user base continues to grow. Um, the number of products um, that we're recovering continues to grow. So there was, there is a definite. The, the I say was uh, obviously the numbers have been impacted a little bit by COVID. But uh, prior to COVID, we actually half we we stopped we stopped a month shy, well, a month shy, a week shy um, of a full month just before lockdown, and that in that was our record month, um, which was okay. which was amazing. So, so there is a shift, um, definitely. What I'm also seeing, picking up at the moment from a business perspective is, is there's almost there's the data. Um, is people are wanting to, or companies are wanting to understand packaging flows um, and understand um, and understand the sort of what previously what we call dark data, um, which is data that was was available, but it was never, you were never really able to mine it or gather it in an effective sort of uh, way where we're now bringing this kind of bringing this data to light and bringing and kind of putting it into a sort of a meaningful, um, a meaningful report or meaningful uh, or actionable um, sort of data set. And companies now are coming, are getting quite, they're getting quite, uh, quite on it from a, from the perspective of understanding packaging flows, which to me is amazing. Um, and I think there's a there's going to be a stronger and stronger shift towards that, and and actually and being able to to check uh, packaging flows in and out. And I'm not just talking from a recovery perspective; I'm talking across the board. Um, and that's from a I guess from our business perspective, it's where it's kind of where we've grown out. We started with the vending machines, um, and we're still very much involved in the vending machines. And we've developed our offering into containers and into sort of actual actual in sort of um, sort of in store in in wall type uh, installations. But it's been our platform tied, which is our upper, it's our tech stack basically, um, and how we've developed that in order to cater for the demand from business to to be transparent on on their packaging data. So there's yeah, so there's a there's a we are, we're finding a big shift uh, a big shift from that perspective at the moment. So help me understand a little bit about the, the, the kinds of data that you're tracking and that uh, the companies are, are looking for and what's useful and what's not useful in order to, to help change things and make decisions. Yeah, just help me understand that. So, so from a, I guess from a data perspective, it's, it's all that it's sort of, you, like sort of um, 
sort of shit in shit out sort of thing um, where you've got to have a look at your your initial data sets and what a lot of companies never did was was get granular from an analysis perspective so um, and we were forced into it because we needed that detail in order to run our machines so it was almost a byproduct of, of how we started um, so having that understanding the material the material firstly understanding the material makeup of a, a bottle um, or a, a takeaway sandwich uh, a takeaway sandwich or uh, a takeaway burger is almost the first step in, in understanding what packaging is on site or what packaging people are consuming or choosing to consume in um, the next stage is starting to understand the flows so are you able to understand is there what packaging is coming onto a site and what packaging is leaving a site. And when that packaging leaves that site, are you able to provide people with information about what to do with that packaging? And that's kind of forms the basis of how we look at the, at, at, at the basis of how we look at that data flow. What we want to do and what we've done through our mobile application is provide opportunities for consumers to recycle their packaging. Um, but it doesn't necessarily need to be through a reverse vending machine if you're using a drop-off site or you're using another service offering, that's for us is as good. Um, and if we can provide and help from an educational perspective, that's amazing. But we want to kind of get take it back to the start and say, right, the material that is the packaging that is being sold into market, what, is, what does it look like? Um, what is the shape of it? What is the color scheme of it? Um, and does it, how does it impact um, the sort of the recycling industry? If you look at Clover at the moment with that blue bottle um, and there's a, there's quite a lot of talk around that um, on why they did it. Was it from a marketing perspective? Because there is a definitely a, a negative environmental, a, a negative, a negative environmental impact. Um, and understanding, understanding who, like understanding why they did that, and should they be using the right materials, and then who's purchasing the materials. So for them, if they have an increase in sales, are they going to say, well? Uh, we're going to keep it because people are we're managing to find a sort of a differentiate a differentiator in the market um or are they actually going to sort of check back and uh, and say right guys um we're going back to the white bottle um we're going to remarket and we talk to to the people that are purchasing it um and providing them with the the correct tools in order to recycle it so it ties in the data starts to bring in a number of different elements which i'm i'm, I'm sort of trying to touch on where you've got marketing, you've got consumerism, um, and obviously business relies on sales. Um, and how can you use this data to better inform your sales decisions, your marketing decisions? Um, and then obviously from a, a kind of an after sales perspective, if a person's purchased your product, can you give them a multitude of options on, on how to dispose of it and how to dispose of it properly? Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the, that's kind of the, that's kind of the detail that we start to go into from, from a data perspective. Um, and understanding and understanding the data, the data flows, um, and how they can how they can kind of support business um, and support a, a support a consumer. Mm. The other interesting um, talking point for me around plastics is my understanding is that we've got so much plastic in the system now already, uh, particularly if you take all the plastics that are in the ocean, that we shouldn't need to generate virgin plastic anymore, that we should be able to generate all our products from recycled plastic. Um, or, or that's where we should get to, right? Where we, we're not pulling yeah. virgin anymore and we, everything is recycled. So that's one point. And then, the, then you get all the, the biodegradable, compostable packaging um, on the other side of things. Mm. And um, I, I've heard 
interesting things on that side as well. So for example, that it might be biodegradable, but not in, we don't have a facility to biodegrade properly within South Africa. So it's actually ends up being worse than a, a recyclable element. Um, yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if you have any insights within that realm and that debate. Yeah, so we've actually we recently had a, a wonderful conversation with uh, uh, some guys from a company called Fortis X, um, who are manufacturing um, who are manufacturing in compostable. Uh, um, actually, uh, of um, one of their bottles, and this is made from plants, um, and this wouldn't follow the traditional um, the traditional waste stream and end up if it ended up in landfill, it it it, it wouldn't be good. You got to it's got to end up at the correct facility. Um, so we need to end up at a, a basically a composting facility. Um, so, so what, what we need to do on that, our view on that and how we want to participate in that is we are able to provide a collection network and make sure that that material finds its way to, to the right end, to, to the right person at the end of the process. I'm very much in favor of it. Um, I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of greenwashing and there's a lot of misinformation out there where a person might buy a, a coffee cup that says it's a, it's a green coffee cup, but it's actually, it's actually not. Um, and it's purely from the fact that you need special systems and special uh, sort of special composting system. Well, uh, there needs to be special ways to process it in order to, to return it to, to basically to a, a null. Um, with regards to, I guess, with regards to plastic, um, there's such there's so much plastic out there at the moment. It's it's amazing, um, and I think I, th I, th I think on the plastic side, of things the, the oceans are a major concern. Uh, I think the fact that there's a lot of microplastics um, and there's a breakdown or degrading of plastics that uh, end up in the seas and end up in the rivers is is, is of big concern, and. And I, and I think that again, for me, like to move away from to move away from single-use items, I think is a, is, is definitely a plus. Um, I think wherever you can, you've got to have a look at the sort of refillable uh, or reuse. That sort of I think the three R's or the four R's. Or I think there's even five R's now. Um, and you've got to apply that sort of philosophy. And I think a lot of brands need to do that at the same time. But I guess an analogy from the mining industry is that before a mine is able to uh, to become operational, you need to put rehabilitation money. Uh, mere rehabilitation money aside, in order to make sure at the end of at the end of uh, at the end of life, um, you're going to return that ground to 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 the previous state. It obviously doesn't get back to that previous state, but I think a lot of businesses that are producing um, in packaging need to to be very clear on how they're going to recover that packaging and put in the relevant uh, facilities uh, options uh, for people to actually to do that and I think that that's something that that needs to be done and uh, it needs to be uh, and it needs to be we need to be quite strong on um, but there is there's some uh, like I say there's some amazing movements especially the compostable movement um, but it does it needs to end up at the right facility at the end of the process you are you're kind of uh, in the same position as you were with, with the rest of uh, with the rest of recyclable waste so is that something you're going to incorporate into your database set is is those recyclable yes. elements and then you'll just yeah. feed it into the right stream yeah, so it's it's we are we actually quite we're very excited about it um, to actually add another 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 waste stream um, to our to what we can collect. Um, we're in a fortunate position where we collect the waste, and after the process, we sort out we sort it into the various grades. So whether it's PET or HDP, um, or whether it's made out of uh, whether it's made out of uh, whether it's a plant bottle. 
um, we are able to to do that and make sure that it ends up at the final the final destination. So for us, it's a win in the sense that we can we can encourage people to one purchase correctly, so consume correctly. Two, we can provide a, a recovery mechanism or a, a collection point uh, for a person to drop off their waste. Um, also receive an incentive for it, which is great, um, and it can actually uh, uh, and it can be dealt with in a in the correct uh, in in a, in a very environmentally friendly way. I'm not sure if I've lost you. It's, uh, the line's been a bit bad. Um, are you still there? No. Okay, you're back. Yes, yeah, I've got you. Um, the, ah, now I forgot what I was going to ask you. <laughs> um, <laughs> hmm. ah, it's gone. Um, was it along the line of was it along the line of uh, compostables or? Yeah, it was something to do with that, but now, um, oh, I know what it was. So, so like in, in an ideal world, like this, we, we should move more and more away from, as you said, single-use plastics. And do you see your, your, your business model becoming redundant at some point where, where there aren't, we aren't throwing things away as much? And so, so, so a service like this will be needed less? I guess it's it's a it's a good question. Um, it's a good question. Do I think we're going to move away from from plastics completely? I don't think so. At, at least not in not in not in my lifetime. Um, and I, that's that's an opinion. I think there is going to be a shift on. There's going to be a bigger shift towards uh, refillable and to reuse. Um, and we are, like I say, we obviously we're we're adjusting accordingly. We're, we are we're looking at introducing a refillable uh, a refillable system uh, using our RBMs um, and and kind of uh, and looping it. Um, but I just think at the mo- I, I don't see, I, like I don't see at least not in the short term. Um, I don't see a downturn. I think there's still an enormous amount of plastic to collect, um, and there will always be a need for. You'll never remove dustbins. So if you took a city, for example, you took Cape Town City, and you said to city. Management guys, uh, what we're going to do? We're going to remove all the dustbins. Uh, we'll never get to that stage. There'll always be some form of, well, there'll always be a requirement for a collection point for waste, um, for recyclable waste. I think what there will be is there's going to be brands are going to, and they are readdressing the the packaging that they're selling waste and they're selling their products into market with. So there'll be a, will be a, what will the short term will be a lot more effective from a recyclability perspective. So um, our, our rates will go up. Um, I think there'll be a lot of uh, a lot more recycled content used in products, um, and 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 I think that will be the sort of the the short term shift. Uh, longer term, if there's no plastics and we found ways to do it, and the business becomes redundant, I guess uh, we've uh, we've kind of served our purpose, and uh, the world is in a better place than it uh, it is now. So um, I couldn't be too upset about that either. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just, have to stick to the data then. <laughs> I guess we'll always need some sort of packaging unless we're going back to living in the jungle using banana leaves for <laughs> our packaging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I guess there's some interesting, like there's a company called The Refillery, um, which is, I, I, they call, I guess, new, they call it new chopping or, or naked chopping, um, where it's there's no packaging whatsoever. And 
it definitely it's a really cool it's a really cool business and um, and I fully and like I say from our side we would never recover any of the products um, out of from their offering if you know what I mean if anything we would get involved in sort of a more convenient uh, refillable type system um, where we would provide access to to containers or deposit points for containers um, which kind of sort of uh, which would 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 sort of improve the which improve improve the shopper experience. But um, those sort of businesses are, are amazing, um, and they are they they're growing, and few, and there are people that that love shopping that way. Um, but again, we've got to I think we've got to look, look a lot more broadly, um, and you've got to look at the majority of the population, which is which is important, um, and how people and understanding how people consume, the reasons why they consume, why they purchase certain products. Um, and how to engage with them on those products um, and how to engage with them on their products from an environmental perspective, um, I think is, is, is ultimately what's going to really drive the shift away um, and start to change uh, and, have a, and have a deeper deeper sort of impact. I think the other thing is, is that um, a, lot of, a lot of these models which have ended up creating all this waste and all this plastic and things is around convenience. The yeah. businesses have tried to make it as convenient as possible for someone to get their product, consume their product, and and this is kind of how we got to and and maybe there's and, and the, the the new shopping model is less convenient because you have to remember your bags or you have to buy new or you have to buy bags or if you're using um, reusable shopping bags, you have to remember to take them, put them in your car every time. Or, yeah. So so there's an inconvenience factor to to changing the behavior which. We somehow need to get around as well. I think it's and that's yeah you that's yeah that that's huge um, in my opinion um, that convenience element. Um, but I guess you're providing convenience as well in what you yeah are. and that's what, we, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be provide a lot more convenience and and to kind of enact a system that's that it has been in place, but in a lot more convenient and accessible way because. If you look at the way that people live nowadays, uh, the, the convenience store model, why it's so successful is, is for that simple reason. It's convenient. Um, and the access to takeaway coffee cups as opposed to it's convenient just to pop into a store, grab a coffee and, and get back on the road. So it, in all of our thinking, it's the convenience element forms a huge part of it. Um, so how can we make, how can we make recycling or how can we make uh, the, how can we make a person make a decision that's better for the environment, um, but not, but not be a pain. If you know what I mean. Like for me, um, I think I've got. I must have about forty reusable coffee mugs, um, and still I forget it. Um, and for me, what to be convenient is to have access to that wherever I am. Um, but it's how to put in those models and how to support those models um, becomes very, very important. But convenience is huge. Um, if you can make something convenient for a person. Um, nine times out of ten, I think they will say, "Cool, I'll I'll do this. Um, this makes sense. I can have an impact on the environment. I'm not I'm not having I'm not sort of having to change my my daily routine um, too much." Um, and then they'll support it. So yeah, convenience is is huge. And if and if companies can find ways to make it convenient for people to make to to make it convenient for people to to shop or make the right uh, purchasing decision, I think uh, we'll win hugely. I, I think there's two the two things which drive well, it's probably more, but two things that in this space for me which drive behavior. One is is incentivizing, which you guys are doing. So so people change behavior yeah. for 
either because of pain, so something becomes very painful, so they change their behavior, or they need that incentive to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, yeah, I guess it's interesting to, because we're it's, it's, needing to, as an industry, I think, consider the things that are going to drive the change more and more, because that's what we all want, right? Is, is to, to, move, to shift the needle and move change. And um, these change behave, behavior change mechanisms are, are super important in, in working that out. I agree with you. And I, and I think, and, and this, this to me is like, and this to me, maybe it, maybe it hasn't been an oversight within the industry, but I think there's so much more to sustainability than just sustainability, which is a recycling bin. Um, it's the motivation. It's, it's kind of the human psyche. Why does a person, why does a person use it? Why doesn't a person use it? Um, the products that are available, are they, do they know what to do with those particular, what to do with those particular products? Do they need a push? Um, if you look at, Loyalty programs are enormously successful in South Africa, and um, you just look at Smart Chopper, you look at the, you look at Shell, you look at Fix, you look at Woolies. Um, people love doing. If if people can get something back, um, people like that, and I get that. I like that. Um, like I said to you earlier, when I once I've bought uh, my tenth coffee, or well, my tenth coffee is a free coffee. It's uh, it is. It, it buys a little bit of brand loyalty. Um, it makes me a little bit chipper. Um, it saves me a little bit of money, which is great. So, so with all these sort of these different sort of, I guess, loyalty programs, incentivization programs, um, understanding the marketing element of it, um, because the other part of it is, which I think doesn't often get talked about is that, is that recycling or sort of sustainability as a line art, it's sort of an expense for a lot of businesses. And there's better, in our opinion, there's better ways to look at it um, where sustainability, yes, it might be an, ex an expense, um, to a business or a line item um, under the expense column, but it can pertain to sales. Um, and business requires sales, um, simply. Um, yeah. So, how do you take? How do you? How do you? How do you align the two um, to support a business from to support a business from a sales generation perspective, and at the same time from a sustainability perspective? Because the two are yin and yang. Company makes more money. It's got more budget. It can invest more in from a from a, a social or environmental perspective. So, so, so yeah, it's very, it's very sort of multifaceted and, and, and I think the driving factors for people, you need to understand people first and foremost, you've got to understand what they, what their pitfalls are, what, what drives them, what, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, why they do, why they do these sort of things. And that's, I guess, from a marketing perspective is enormous. And you start to take that thinking, that marketing thinking and that sort of analysis um, into sustainability and, and, and apply, and apply that, that exact same thinking to find a solution and you'll get to all the same things. You'll get cost, you'll get convenience, you'll get um, whether it's trendy, all those sort of little touch points um, will come through. And it might sound as simple as looking at a bin, but it's, it is as simple as that sometimes. Um, but you've got to have that well-rounded sort of knowledge and, and, and that well-rounded approach to do it. Um, and I think that's something that's, 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 that's much needed. And that's why you know, I've talked about kind of like new sort of circular business models or new business models. Um, you need new business models. Technology supports those new business models, um, but it's not going to, it's not going to be the only thing that drives those business models. Um, we've got to innovate a little bit in, in how we approach things and, and be a lot more inclusionary in all facets of the business, um, whether it's be, whether it's internal or external, if that makes sense. 
I think I, I love using them as an example. I think one company that really does it well is Patagonia. Um, yeah. they, they like down to the smallest detail, they analyze everything and its impact and really push the needle. Like, like I don't know of another company that does it as well as them. And yeah, they're very successful. I totally agree with you. And you're right. It's a great example. And, and, and Patagonia as a company is it's just, it's, they're amazing. And they're, they're sort of, I think they're a great example of what can be done. Um, and, and they're a great example of, of, I think our company should follow. Um, and, and it, yeah, it's, it's, I think there, there's a lot of, like I said, there's, I think there are, I don't think to that extent, you're right. Um, there are companies that are doing some really cool things. I know that some of your bigger brands at the moment, if you look at your, if you look at your Nikes, if you look at like, if you look at Adidas, for example, and how they're using ocean plastic to, to in the, in, in sort of in rugby jerseys and or shoes and they're starting to look down these lines um, and they're starting to, to think in a different way. Um, they're also starting to become a lot more transparent where a lot of the time that they, they've been guarded about this information. And I think a lot of the time it's, it's having that access to information that brands have often felt that if they put a product into market and it's not recyclable, I think they just need to be able to explain the rationale behind putting a product into the market. And, and nine times out of 10, if you tell people that you, that you actually have a plan to make it recyclable, they're going to be happy. Um, it might not be the short-term solution, but it might it might be the medium-term solution. Um, but there's there there are a lot of there are a lot of positive initiatives that are, are happening at the moment. But yeah, I guess Patagonia is just a, a, they're hardcore. Um, they're proper rock stars in that space, and um, yeah, they yeah they're wonder, they're they're a wonderful example of uh, I think how business how business can be um, and and should be in many ways. Mm. Yeah, it just makes me think of, I don't know if you've, because I know they're one of the companies that have pulled up, pulled their advertising budgets from from the Facebook. I don't know if you've seen what's going on there. Yeah. A lot of the big companies are pulling their yeah, ad budgets expected. from Facebook because of because of the, mm. um, I guess, the, the the promotion of fake news or the, the their hand to play in a lot of um, events which affected the world negatively. Um, and, and not yeah. taking so it's encouraging that that those brands are starting to take responsibility in that way and and use their their clout and their power to 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 force things in a good direction. Um, totally, and and you and you're hundred percent right. And we've actually been following that very closely because it's uh, it does sort of that marketing and uh, that that element uh, does form part of our business and. It's been amazing to see how brands and and big brands have pulled budgets, um, and that's. And that's the, the, the power of the consumer sometimes. And I guess that's the power of, of big business. So not spending with Facebook because Facebook doesn't tick the boxes from a, an ethical or from a social or from an environmental perspective. And by pulling budgets, um, quite simply, it's going to have an impact and it will force change. Um, Facebook, I think, is probably um, in a world of pain at the moment and looking at how they can and how they can have better algorithms to run their, their advertising and to make sure that they avoid hate speech and to make sure um, they're a lot more equitable in the way that they present the news and et cetera, et cetera. And I think that filters back to a consumer. A consumer can speak with their wallets at the end of the day. Um, and yeah. that's always the best way to speak. Um, saying, guys, listen, if you're not going to do this or you're not going to put risk, if you don't have recycling facilities or you're not supporting or you're not doing something in an ethical manner or you're not supporting local businesses or you're not doing this, we're not going to spend our money with you. Um, and in South Africa, we do have options to to go to other places. Um, 
and and that's and that to me is a big part of of the consumer power um and we've now got places to vote to be vocal about it where we can jump onto the likes of a, an instagram or a twitter or whatever it is and have proper debates that can that can quickly mushroom um and send a message out there so i think it's it's interesting. It, it, I think, it, it, like, just like thinking of it, just talking about this now, it's quite interesting in a lot of ways because you look at business. Business, is, it's a, it's not as easy to do business nowadays. You, you watch from a multitude of angles, um, and there's that sort of that after sales or that complaint line is not just picking up an 0800 number and hoping to get hold of someone at, uh, at a Woolies or at a pick and pay. You've now got a multitude of digital platforms that you can jump on um, to use and say, guys, you're not doing this, or you're not doing this, or you're not doing this. So business is a lot, um, it's a lot more difficult to do it, but it's also quite simple in a lot of ways. Um, operates more ethically, put the facilities in place, um, be more transparent and, and if people follow suit um, and they will, they will, you'll have, you'll turn a number of people that would be against you um, into, into vehement, loyal, loyal, loyal followers. Um, so yeah, it's an interest, it, it's a very interesting space and it's a very interesting um, it's a very interesting subject to to, to actually look at and and unpack. Um, I, I've, I've I often say this. I have one last question for you, and then more come. But um, one other piece to talk about is in the South African context. Um, you mentioned it earlier that we have we've got a big divide here between the haves and the have-nots, and um, you know, for a lot of the people who are living in the townships, these kinds of conversations or or thoughts around uh, packaging or recycling or sustainability, it, because they are so close to the breadline, it's it's a it's a, almost like a, a luxury to be able to think like this. How do are you guys thinking about how you include them in your processes, and how do we bring them into yeah. um, into this more? Although they consume a hell of a lot less than you and I do. Um, so their impact is much lower. Is it something on your radar? Yeah, very much, very much so, Lee. Um, we're doing, we're having, we're having a lot of conversations at the moment around, uh, around the sort of the township areas, uh, around waste pickers, um, around, around those, those human beings, um, who, who play a vital role in our society, who are, like I say, they're not. And not, not, not always given the tools um, that, that that we have uh, that, that we have access to, so it is a big part of our, our thinking. And it's again, it's getting into the sort of the the psyche behind it. Um, incentivization is important because now you the social element um, becomes a lot more a lot more prominent. Um, and I guess it's I kind of use this analogy sometimes with regards to the rhinos, where if you've got the guy that lives uh, in and around uh, a game park and he, someone comes to him and he's got a family of four and he can't feed his family of four and he's got an opportunity to make some money by killing and selling a rhino horn, he, he, the chances are pretty high he's going to do it. And that, sort of, that same sort of principle applies where if you can deal with a person or help deal with a person's social standing or monetary requirements or... Um, I think ultimately you you have a better chance in, in moving them in sort of in moving them in the right direction from a I guess from a to, to be a little bit more harm, harmonious with with regards to the environment. Um, so incentivization is is important. Um, it's making sure that we can sort of ease the burden of not of a person who has to spend money on taxi fare and data and airtime. How can we help them give access? How can we help them? 
have access to airtime and data. So they've got a little bit more money to spend and it just makes their life a little bit easier. And by doing that, um, by default, they're making the right decision. So where it might not be the environmental motive um, to say save the planet, it might be that, okay, cool, this can help me out um, getting through my day or could help my family out a little bit or I can uh, get a discount at, at a store. I can get some bread a bit cheaper. Um, and the sort of the, 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 the byproduct of that is environmental, environmental protection or environmental stewardship. So you've got to look at it from all different angles. So, yes, it's, uh, it's a very much uh, on our radar. It's very much something that we, we're actively involved at the moment um, and looking at projects um, and how we can extend the reach um, of uh, basically of our offering and what we do. Okay. So, 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 so there are things that are in place that you are going to be moving in that direction. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. So we've uh, and that's a big part of it. So we've developed a we've developed a container solution, um, which is a twenty foot and a forty foot container solution, which allows us to enter these uh, into these areas. Um, it allows us to be in strip malls. It allows us to be in townships. Um, it allows us to carry to support larger volumes, reduce collection costs. Um, we've got some. We're having we're in conversations with 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 a number of people at the moment, uh, a particular telco and a number of brands who are wanting to address these areas and who are actively addressing these areas. And in some ways we're coming, hopefully coming in to support their initiatives. Cause like I say, there's, there's an, there's a multitude of good work that has been done and uh, by, by a number of companies from Woolies to pick and pay through to Unilevers to Coca-Cola's, et cetera. There's a lot of active, uh, there's a lot of active projects and we want to try a system whatever way we can. Um, and then we're also applying down, not in our own direction, because it's all in line with the, the general thinking of, of where, where, where South Africa is going from an environmental perspective, but bringing our own sort of innovative solutions to make people's lives easier and to, and, and, and to, and to drive them to, to recycle and do the right thing. So, so yeah, um, there's, there, there, there's some lovely things in the works at the moment. Yeah. Cool. Um, any last thoughts from your side or any, uh, any last words for anyone who listens to this? Hmm. I, I think, yeah, not, I think nothing really, nothing really profound from my side. Like I say, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I, like I say, I really appreciate the opportunity, uh, first and foremost, um, Imagine Earth as a business has been a, it's been in many ways, it's been a labor of love. It's taken, it's taken a, it's taken a lot of years to grow. And uh, we, we're really proud of the work that we're doing and we're really proud of the impact that, that we're having. Um, but uh, like I say, it's also, I think, from a broader perspective, to be involved in a, in a space and to be, a role, to be, to be around uh, people like yourselves and, and the creative thinkers and amazing people in the sustainability space. Um, I'm fortunate enough to to work with someone like Sam Bennett, who's just she's brilliant from a from a from a waste perspective, and she just gets it. And there's some amazing minds um, in this space, and and I really, as a collective, I hope everyone just keeps pushing forward and and moving people and moving consumers' perceptions um, and changing brands' perceptions um, around the environment and 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 keep moving it forward. And it's. It's the right thing to do, um, but above and beyond that, there's there's definite business benefits that come out of it. Um, and I think the big push is is is, is that circular business model um, and trying to and trying to combine all those different elements. Um, but there's there's like I say, there's some there's some really good things happening, um, especially in South Africa, and we're very fortunate to 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 be involved in that space. So so yeah, awesome. Uh, thanks so much. I really appreciate your time. 
Yeah, thank you. And like I said, I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, it's lovely to chat to you. So, so thank you. Cool. You've been listening to SeedPod with me, Lee Rail. Thank you so much for your attention. I know that it's not always easy to listen to a conversation that's an hour or more these days with time being so pressed. So I really appreciate those who are listening to these conversations and I hope you're getting as much value out of it as I am. And I'm walking away with nuggets of wisdom from each conversation and I trust that you are as well. You might have noticed that there's a little bit more noise in the backgrounds of the recordings that's because i'm not in a studio anymore i have gone on my own i've got a mobile setup and so i'm doing it all myself i'm recording myself i'm editing myself and so if there's any feedback if it's too loud too soft too noisy let me know if you if you have any feedback as to the content of the podcast love to hear from you otherwise keep listening keep sharing and keep being inspired 